0: Welcome
1: to Campfire
0: Fireside Chats.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week we are joined by author, diviner, amateur historian, and all-around lovely human being, Joy Johns. We talk about the influence of geography on myth-making, folk magic, our mutual love of history, ethics and paratourism. You know I love talking about that. And we really dig into Joy's personal history with paranormal experiences and how she sort of found her way to divination. Look, Joy is funny and thoughtful and disarmingly insightful, just over and over again. This talk was just as great as we always knew it would be. Please go and support her in everything that she does. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Joy Johns. All right, Joy Johns, finally on the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah. I'm super excited. We've only been talking about this since you did the round table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's like a combination that's on both of us. Like there's no one person that you can point fingers at for the situation. That is, that is both of us having no concept of what time is.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
2: I sometimes didn't know where I was or who I was, especially when I was moving house. So yeah, but we're here that now. That makes
1: a lot of sense. I, one of the things i love about talking to you is your like mixture of american and english slang (laughs) (laughs) like there there aren't too many times that you hear like usually when i hear an american accent say something like moving house yeah it's just like oh that person watches a lot of doctor who
2: yeah you know what i mean yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you. I, I was sitting down and I was working this out mathematically, not my strongest subject, okay, the sure. day. So I got it a little bit wrong the first time and then Nick corrected me, which, you know, that's what husbands are helpful for. Um, and it uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out that I have lived here now almost as long as I lived in the US. So I'm like a 50-50 situation. Yeah. I'm the true Anglo-American, I guess. <laughs>
1: That's interesting. You you love it over there?
2: I do because we've talked about this before, but I have read and encountered Tolkien, and I'm a big fan of The Lord of the Rings in particular. Sure. And he was writing about the areas where I am living. So I will literally go out on a walk with Nick, and I'll just hear the Elvish music. I'm not going to try and reproduce it for you because I don't want to hurt anybody's ears right now. But, like, <laughs> it's just you just hear elvish music you see these enormous trees that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old you see real old growth forests um, it is insanely beautiful and very magical and I'm, I'm a big fan of that I'm a big fan of being able to go out on a walk and feeling like I'm living inside my favorite fantasy book
1: yeah that's I can only imagine <laughs>
2: your cornfields and flat are you You were complaining about that i was listening yeah. to the podcast the other day and you were going it's so flat we don't even have caves how could yeah. you think we even have something as interesting as caves
1: <laughs> it's, it's pretty common on the show yeah. i don't i don't think people understand the geography that i'm surrounded by you know what i mean like do you
2: think it's because people can't imagine it until they experience it i think so yeah because I yeah. think people don't understand how truly flat Florida is until you're there. Mm-hmm. And you can see so much of the horizon at all times because yep. it is as flat as a pancake.
1: Yep, same. Like, um, I was trying to explain the other day how flooding is such a problem here in the fall yeah. because everything is so flat that all it takes literally is like one clogged street drain and yeah. you'll have an entire like 5 square blocks flood and that is we dramatic. get like we get like deep rainfall in the in in the autumn you right know. like and it happens all the time all the time and fl- you know flooding is very different in hilly or mountainous areas, it's arguably more dangerous, right? Because mudslides and things like that sure. happen. Yeah, sure. But like it happens here like at the drop of a hat. Like you'll in, on like a you'll drive to the store like ten minutes away and everything is fine. You're in the store for a half an hour. When you drive home, the roads are impassable. That's how fast it happens. That
2: reminds me of Florida. Yeah. Um where we get just with, we jokingly call it our monsoon season yeah. with rain, where you just get the clouds just open, and it's torrents. And unfortunately, our road systems, they are built for it. But sometimes, because we have so much underwater water as well, that's just so- stored in, is it called an aquifer?
1: Yeah, the water table is really yeah. close to the surface.
2: Everything is so flat, and the water table is so high, that, and the rivers just run their beds like yep. I remember we would be driving home and there are a lot of um, cow pastures going in and the cows would be just kind of like trying to swim away.
0: Yeah.
2: Otherwise <laughs> they would be like muddy and weird looking and just trying to get to the higher parts of the pasture, but of course everything's so flat, so that's pretty limited to just finding oak tree roots.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's You never really hear Indiana and Florida you know, compared so closely. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, we have orange trees and cattle and y'all have like cornfields. Yeah. You also have potatoes or is it really
1: just cornfields? It's pretty much cornfields. They alternate corn and soybeans.
2: Soybeans. Yep. Is that 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 more recent development?
1: Uh, since like the late nineties, they've been, they've been doing that, but it's still mostly corn. Eight out of 10 fields are corn.
2: I have an interesting question for you. So how has, you know, spooky kid culture, like you grow up and there's haunted houses or there's scarecrows or there's a place you just don't go. Mm -hmm. I have noticed that in the place that I grew up in, which is similar to yours, I think rural has shifted dramatically since I grew up and kind of like went away, have Have you had that experience where you grew up? Like, have you lost some scary story stuff? Are their legends different?
1: I think I'm less in touch with them now than than when I was a kid. So I'm sure that's true. But I think they have more now.
2: Really? Not
1: less, yeah. Oh, that's
2: Um, exciting.
1: In particular, there's a house that was... Two houses away from a very close friend of mine's house growing up. Yeah. And it was a perfectly normal house when I was a kid. Like, there were no legends about it. There was no crazy story about the house. But about 10 years ago, people started talking about it. Yeah. And then now the house is literally a paratourism spot. And, like, ghost TV shows come and do overnights in this house
2: you guys can't see my face I'm making a very skeptical face right now
1: yeah <laughs> but there was no story about it in the 90s or in the early 2000s it, it was just a normal house and now so suddenly on, there's this crazy legend
2: I'm going to put on a very generous thinking hat was there any huge shift that you can think of that occurred between one and the other
1: I appreciate your generosity, but the answer unfortunately is no. Mm. (laughs) What I think happened is I think someone owned the house for a very long time and then they either passed away or moved away. And then the house went through a series of renters,
2: Mm. short-term
1: renters. And then someone got the idea that it would be more lucrative to make it a haunted house than it would be to continue renting to short-term renters
2: i am starting to become wildly curious about how the rise in paranormal interest is affecting the housing market Hmm. because i feel like back in the day they used to try to cover things up and be like this house is completely fine no one has ever died here we swear to you nothing weird has happened ever and now I feel like it's the flip of that. And they're like, you know,
1: we heard some strange
2: noises in the basement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There's some estate agent down in the basement going... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's, it's a dicey move, right? Like you have to know your, you have to know your audience. Yeah. As the, as the realtor, right? But yeah. you get, I mean, if you get a couple in there wearing like, you know... Wearing a Roswell t-shirt or something like that, you know what I mean? It's
2: yeah. It's a wife solid is wearing band. like Roswell. Husband's wearing like Slipknot. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or like they have, you know, they have like a pentagram decal on the back of their minivan.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Then yeah,
1: then yeah you start start pumping up those spooky stories. But yeah, I think, I think there. I don't know if there's. I don't know if there are more. I may have misspoke Maybe it's just it's I think they lost some and gained some
2: because
1: mm. um, when I was a kid, there were lots of spooky stories about the fields.
2: Mm-hmm. See, now I that mean, I would have thrived on. I feel yeah. like did you guys I mean, ever dare each other to go out into a particular section of it?
1: Oh, yeah. Anybody
2: come running home screaming?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many times. Right. And when i was a kid also there were still scarecrows there were there I, were still scarecrows in fields oh, which there are not anymore
2: there are here yeah you, you're gonna have to come and visit me at some point so you can live in your childhood nostalgia yeah um in some places they do scary scarecrow contests too um and it's a whole thing mm-hmm. um and in some places it's more like really cute like gingham dresses and um like, they've got, like, mop hair and stuff. That's not quite... It's still nice, but it's not quite the same. Like, yeah. I feel like scarecrows should be scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, when, when I was a kid, it was literally just, like, the farmer's old coveralls stuffed with straw. Yeah. And whatever, like, sack they could form into a vague head shape on top yeah. of it. And they were terrifying. Yeah. Like, and again, because it's so flat here... You could see the scarecrow's head peeking up over the top of the corn yeah, from the road, and that was terrifying, right?
2: I can picture that. I can I, picture that, especially if there's some wind moving through the corn and you're just getting those waves.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. like we definitely used to play, like we definitely used to play daring each other to make it to the scarecrow and back. Right? Oh, I love this. And yeah, and when you're running through. When you're running through a, a full growth like right before harvest cornfield you cannot see
2: i don't, don't think that people who've never been around them understand that they're like what would you say like six foot tall higher maybe
1: higher i mean yeah. here in by by the time by mid-october early even early october they're eight nine feet high
2: yeah so you can't see any periphery or anything yep. it's just the row that you're in and that's all that you can see Yep. But the sounds I feel like are almost Everywhere. amplified in the corn. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's like sensory overload to the point that it's almost sensory deprivation.
2: Yeah, I think right? that's an amazingly good description.
1: It's um when they get high enough you can't even see the sky yeah. anymore. Like you're closed in. And there's like a canopy of corn leaves above you. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, they're scary. It's, it's for sure scary. And, um, the, of course, we grew up with like legends of kids who went into the field and never came back, and, um, legends of kids getting like ground up by combines because they were in the field.
2: Oh, yeah. No and, one noticed. And then they yeah. just became fertilizer for the corn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. So I think there's less of that now and more like, you know, the paranormal has shifted toward just like all culture shifts toward pop culture, right? Yeah. It bends toward pop culture. So as like, I was probably 13, 14, late middle school when, the during the rise of the, you know, Travel Channel Ghost Show. Yeah. You know what I mean? When all that started. And I think that changed... That changed the type of legends kids were actually engaging with.
2: Yeah. How old were you when the X-Files came in, roughly?
1: Um, Well, it came out in 93, but I didn't discover it until it was in season four. So, 97. I was like 10. Yeah. 10, 11. Yeah. Around there. Yeah.
2: Because one of the things that I was thinking of in terms of the cultural shift was I was an 80s and early 90s kid and my having conversations with everyone and like just parenting culture is so different now like my respect for people who are parents now in this generation is wildly high because parenting used to be get out my house yeah. like especially in rural cultures it was get yep. out of my house
1: that's how i grew and up
2: yeah no idea where we were no idea what we were doing the number of times that i had such close calls with alligators and other humans and no one would know sure um I feel like 80s kids, that's really rich because it's believable. Little Timmy was in the field and the harvester ran him over and
1: yep.
2: that's it, he's done. But now...
1: Yep. And no one would even notice he was gone until dinnertime.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we don't... That's not there anymore. Like that yeah. level of mystery has kind of left the world a little bit. I think maybe that's not entirely true. Like maybe it's gotten replaced with different kinds of mysteries because we never grew up with the kind of internet monsters that there are now. Um, Like I know in the UK, there was an entire thing where that sculpture that that Japanese artist made was going around kids' chat rooms and kids Mm -hmm. were turning up to school and doing crazy things because they were like, she told me to. And she said that if I didn't do it, that she would kill us all. So I I felt like I had to do it. And I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that was pranks. But there was this entire panic over here
1: yeah, that's that's very different than the kind of, you know, mischief that that we, yeah, we ran into. As, like yeah. go into
2: the haunted house, stay in yeah. there for ten seconds, yeah. um, go out into the fields, go and touch this post in the middle of the field, try yeah. to come back alive. Yeah.
1: Another big thing growing up for us was train tracks.
2: We sadly did not have the train tracks. What we had were we had the sticks. But you can yeah. go ahead and tell me about the train tracks.
1: So, Indiana is... You know, the nickname is Crossroads of America. Yeah. And I literally grew up in a town with more train tracks than stoplights.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. So... You, you
2: have lots of, like, railroad ghost stories. And, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Tons. There's... In particular, there's one... Um, it was a... It was a train, like a railroad depot building yeah. that was abandoned long before my time. Like, it was already decrepit when yeah. I was a kid. And it's still standing today. Um, And that place was, I mean, it was, like, the spot. Yeah. Right? Like...
2: I can see that for sure.
1: Because we would walk, we would... You know, when the when your parents were like, get out of the house, one of the things to do was to just walk the train tracks. And we would just all day long walk until, you know, walk until the sun got to a certain position and then turn around and walk back, knowing you'd be back around dusk, right?
2: Yeah, ours was the streetlights. So we were very rural, but we did have streetlights in the neighborhood streets. So the rule was either you had to be able to hear your dad whistle because you know that dad whistle that just goes through acres? Yeah. You And if you heard that, you had to haul your butt home so fast or you were going to get a hide-in. Yeah. Um, and Or it was you have to play on the streets and as soon as the street lights start popping on, you have to race them back home. Yeah. And that generated its entire own kind of urban lore, urban myth sort of situation.
1: Yeah, so the, the train tracks definitely were a uh were a thing too and it, you know we had those creepy moments where we were walking the tracks and you see someone else walking the tracks like in the distance yeah and of course they instantly became monsters yeah right so yeah 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 that's
0: amazing. cut off
1: into the cut off into the woods yeah and yeah yeah lots of lots of moments like that growing up
2: yeah similar um,
1: <clears throat> so joy yes how would you characterize? Obviously, you're an author, but there, I mean, there is a definitely distinct spooky side to you, for the things yeah. you do. Um, how would you describe it? Like, what is it to you?
2: That is an interesting question. I'm going to answer that question with Tim Burton, and I'm going to say that in that I feel like. I was always a weird kid growing up. Um, a lot of people, I try to be openly autistic now. I don't want it to become my entire identity, but I feel like it would have helped a younger me to know that. <laughs> like there would have been an explanation for why the other kids ostracized me and didn't like me. That sure. wasn't just, it's me. Um, Cause like, it is me, I am autistic. That's part of my identity. But like, I, I really understand it in a different way now. And I think that what ended up happening for me was I thought, okay, if I'm gonna be an outcast, I'm gonna be the best outcast this world has ever seen. I am going to thrive in the fringes, And so I became like obsessed with like goosebumps and um, urban legends and urban lore. And none of the other kids really liked that stuff, which I think in a way made it more cool to me. Yeah, We've had conversations about how I was, I fell into the edgy goth category when I was younger. which is hilarious to me now. (laughs) Um, Like, I still love goth stuff. I still love goth culture. My heart is still very much in that. Um, And then I think there's also... I had a lot of really weird, very spooky experiences when I was a kid, because I think also, if you're the kid that doesn't really fit in, you're more likely to be kicking around with your grandparents. Sure. So I was at my grandparents' house this one time, and um, my Grandfather had gone up to bed and he told me that I was allowed to watch the Munsters for like 15 more minutes and then I had to turn the TV off and go to bed. Mm -hmm. And we had kind of an honor system whenever we were visiting. He trusted me. I trusted him. It was like my best pal. It was amazing. I love that man so much. Um, And they had one of those really old TV sets that was black and white and it had the dials on it. And I think those things run off of like the leftover radiation from the big bang or some kind of situation. (laughs) It's technologically really like it's witchy Um, or astronomical, depending on how you look at it. And so I remember it, the episode ended and I walked over and I switched off the TV and it was like, kind of like one of those scenes in poltergeist. And the TV static started doing some really weird stuff. And then I went around and I was like, well, I'm not having this, okay? <laughs> and I unplugged the TV and walked away from it because sometimes that would happen on those old TVs. Like there, there would be yeah. occasions people would be like, it stayed on after I switched it off. I'm pretty rooted in logic. So I was like, that's fine. That's not weird. Yeah. And when like a full 10 minutes later, <laughs> It's still on. That Then we're verging on this is starting to get kind of impossible. And then I hear footsteps coming up the basement. And they had one of those very old, very creepy basements where when you walk in and the lights are on, you can smell like the tide sheets and it's this really nice sunny place. And you see like my granddad's woodworking station because yeah. he did um, his own kind of carpentry and he would build things for his local church and he would do like people's like wooden busts of people's head Like statuary type stuff Yeah. Um, and it was a, a nice and beautiful place to be And then the lights would go off And it was like you were inside a Stephen King book Which yeah. I Previous to this had always put down as It's just that it's dark and you don't know what's in there And it's just that normal creepiness So I hear something coming up the stairs <laughs> I'm like standing In between the room where the TV is still on And the kitchen where the basement Stairs are at and the door just slowly creeps open and I went, nope. And I ran upstairs <laughs> I ran past my grandparents' room and I didn't even wake them up. Like, I didn't even go in. I just went into my bedroom and I was just sitting there like, nope, big pile of nope. No, thank you. <laughs> just nope.
1: Was that your first weird experience? Was that your earliest one? I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think That's
1: pretty so. intense.
2: I just feel like that house was messing with me like i feel like the house had a wicked sense of humor i feel like it was for sure messing with me because the thing is is like i tried to explain it away so many times but i just can't and i was very awake like at no point was i sleepy or did i fall asleep so i can't i couldn't i couldn't explain it away and i think that's where i got like the wild fascination with things that i just couldn't quite explain because i was the kid i was talking to you about this before i was the dinosaur kid i was yeah. so invested in science and my parents who are snobs were thrilled by this idea that their child was some kind of child genius and so they were sure. getting me all these different science texts and books and stuff and they were like our child is special um so <laughs> so i had a lot of access to a lot of different things um and i just thought this is so different from like the logical dinosaur type stuff like how how there's got to be a way to measure this there's got to be a way to explain this
1: yeah it's um i mean it's life-changing when you have experiences like that really is um so i'm not gonna call you a psychic (laughs) (coughs) (laughs) you're welcome thank you but obviously you have you know some pretty significant interest in divination and and things like that when did yeah. that come into play for you
2: the divination side of things is interesting so my mom's side of the family is what i would call like southern hill folk kind of a cultural background yeah so everybody believes really strongly in jesus and angels etc Um, But everybody also believes really strongly in a lot of, like, Celtic-based stuff. So I was brought up to believe that you, like, put milk out for the brownies. Mm -hmm. um, And that there were things in the hills and all that that sort of stuff. Like, my, my mom, when I was little, would tell me all these different stories about how, like, her favorite grandfather had passed away. And he was... He went out to sea. And so he was an avid reader, like my mom, and he was really nurturing and kind to her when she was younger. So her favorite thing when she would go to visit them was he would have these huge sea chests that would look so interesting and fascinating for a little kid. And he would have these collections of books. And I strongly suspect that he went out and added the Nancy Durham stuff to that for her because... Yeah. She was always talking about Nancy Drew, and I was like, there's no way this man who must have been in his, <laughs> I don't know, 40s, who's like a sea, a sea captain type person is like reading Nancy Drew. I don't see that. So um, he must have snuck all of these adventures in there, and she loved the smell of his pipe and just had these very strong memories of him. And she told me about how when she was young, he passed, and um, the night that he passed, he had walked into her bedroom— She found out later this was after he died. Um, He'd walked into her bedroom. She remembers smelling the pipe smoke. She remembers him talking to her about there being these specific books in the trunk for her and how much he loved her. And then he said goodnight and he left. And when she woke up in the morning, her mom came downstairs to tell her like, I'm so sorry, but your granddaddy's passed away. And she said, no, that's impossible. He was literally just here. Where is he? He was right here. And it was, I think at the time, confusing and upsetting for her. And as she grew up, I think it became her most treasured memory. So I grew up in a household where weird stuff was normalized. Like, it wasn't 110% normalized. Sure. There was a lot of science in our household. There was a lot of academic stuff in our our household. But there was this weird kind of marriage between the idea of spirituality and um, cultural stuff like telling your kids to feed the brownies and stuff like that and and fostering an interest in, like, astronomy and greek texts and um reading shakespeare and all those kinds of things
1: yeah i'm folk magic runs deep
2: oh it right. does yeah Yeah, it really does i just feel like sometimes some people must have got whiplash from this yeah like my grandmother i feel like my grandmother had christian whiplash sometimes
1: <laughs> that had to be true right um yeah it's it's interesting because particularly like Appalachian culture, yeah, and um, and Caribbean culture is very similar in in the ways that it's sort of a blending of Western organized religion and these much older folk
2: uh, yeah traditions,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, that's yeah, and then also
2: the- very like strong knit community and mm-hmm. a lot of specific cultural practices and beliefs that are that have grown so it's like grown like a tree and kind of yep. spread and branched out and become something really truly special and interesting yeah
1: yeah i love those those little those little sociological hot spots yeah. right where you can really see the venn diagrams overlapping yeah
2: me too it's it's yeah. fantastic those are treasure troves
1: so you started off that story trying to get to how divination started for you.
2: Oh yes. Thank you. Okay. No sorry. Problem. So the ghosts, the ghosts are important, yeah. whether you think that they're ghosts or angels or echoes or however anybody would like to define it. That's an important part for me. So the fact that I was raised with like your granddaddy comes to visit their grandchild after they've passed. And that's just completely normalized. Yeah. Um, I had a friend whose mom passed very young, um, And for my birthday, my mom had bought me tarot cards, I want to say. Like, she'd just given me an esoteric present, and I'm pretty sure it was tarot cards. And I didn't really do very much with them. Um, And then in combination with that, one of my next-door neighbors was Indigenous. Um, She was um, Native American on her mom's side. And we had been having conversations about how like the mainstream religion that was around us didn't feel like it fit us. And so she was sharing some things from her culture and I was sharing some things from my culture. And she was teaching me like so much at that point about how she felt about things and what she thought about things in a way that was really impactful and very different for me. And probably, I probably owe her so much because I feel like she made me feel like I wasn't on the wrong track when a lot of my culture around me would have been Southern Baptist. So anything very veering from what I was supposed to be interested in, which would be the Bible, was going to send me straight to hell kind of a situation. She was my port in a storm, I think. Um, And she had been talking to me about a whole bunch of different stuff. And so all these different ideas are amalgamating in my head. And I was like, there's something that i feel like maybe could be helpful and i want to try and do it and i was like but i have no idea if it's going to work and i'm not going to make any promises um because he'd seen me do some other stuff my my friend whose mom had passed away for context sorry guys i'm telling the story in a loop um <laughs> and he had he had brought it up and i thought i feel really uncomfortable with this which i feel like is the appropriate response
1: yeah absolutely um, it's just a sign of having the proper reverence for the situation.
2: Right? Yeah, I just feel like there's a whole lot of psychic showboating. That's a whole nother tangent, so I'm not going sure. to go down it. But, um... So, it I was in a unique position where I had somebody I really cared about asking me to do something. And I didn't know if I could do it. I felt really awkward and really uncomfortable and really... Like, maybe I was doing the wrong thing. And I sat down and I put myself in this meditated space. And... I saw the wildest stuff, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense, and it's, it's, I feel like it's trash. So I said, listen, I don't think this makes any sense. I think that my imagination is making things up. I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing, and then you can you can decide what you want to do from there. And if it is trash, I'm real sorry. Um, and I saw his mom all dressed in purple, in this really beautiful purple dress, and like, it's like almost like romance novel of a situation where like all the flowers around her are purple. There are purple butterflies. She's on a swing that's like festooned with beautiful ribbons. And um, she just looks so happy and so peaceful and so beautiful. Um, and I described everything that I was seeing and he was like, oh, purple is her favorite color. And then I was seeing this dragon and I was like, this also makes no sense. I'm seeing a dragon. He was like, dragon is her nickname for me. She used to call me her little dragon. And my mind was blown. My whole body was covered in goosebumps. I have goosebumps right now.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. And he was, he hugged me and he was really happy. And it, that's not something that I ever did again. Um, but I was really grateful to have taken a risk. Because it 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 made him happy. And it also opened up my brain to the idea that there was a possibility to do something like that.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, it's a beautiful story. I I know what it's like to like really want that that connection or that reassurance after you lose a parent. So it's yeah, it's awesome that that you could provide some of that for him.
2: I feel I so appreciate you saying that. I also feel really uncomfortable taking the credit for myself because I don't know where it came from. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that was her. If I put myself in a state and she pushed through and sent that message across. Um, yeah. So I've had I've had with cards. Sometimes I see things. I think Carly's wired really similarly to that. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't, I think what it is, is I don't, it doesn't feel right to me when people say that it's something that they can do and then they, and then they add it to their ego. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Like, because if, if that's your headline, right, then there's pressure to live up to that capability Right. And whenever you're pressuring yourself to live up to something, you're more likely to, you know, cut corners or fudge details to make sure that you can live up to that.
2: I think that's part of it. I think for me, it's that I've known a lot of people who do call themselves psychics. Mm -hmm. And I would say that five out of 10 of those people were legitimately doing things that are unexplainable. And I think yeah. that's about the ratio that I've encountered in my life. Um, and I think that there's a risk that I'm trying to avoid because, and I'll be honest about this, this is my personal baggage. So my personal baggage with this and not wanting to let my ego get big is my father, as you know, was an abusive alcoholic and his ego was his life yeah. in the way in which he moved in the world. And he, it was very important for him to feel very special and very important and i want to <laughs> i want to keep a really strong check on myself yes. i don't i don't ever want to put myself forward as someone who's like i'm special i can do this special thing um so i think i look at it as i'm alive and this person's alive and we love each other and i think that it's the love that communicates things across and i think i'm like a I'm like a radio receiver and that it's something that sometimes if I'm trying, I can switch that radio on and I think, and this sounds so dopey, but I feel like, you know occasionally if, if we're interested in the and whatever it is that's out there or, you know, we've talked about things before about like, what do we think these things are?
0: Mm-hmm. And no
2: one really has an explanation, so I won't try to define it, but I just feel like there's there's some kind of communication that happens. And I think it's beautiful and special and unique and interesting, but I don't think that I am in any way a part of it other than just, I sat down and thought about it.
1: Sure. I mean, that's, I can see, I can see how you, um, I mean, the way you explain that makes it very clear that you don't want any ego involved at all. Right. Yeah,
2: I hope not. Like, like I, I, well, yeah. I mean, okay. So ego is healthy. Ego can
1: be healthy.
2: Sure. Like I understand that, right? And and, and having self love and a little bit of self confidence is so good for people. Um, but I feel like you know how there's certain groups, like we were talking about before we started about my my version, my my definition of the literati.
1: Sure. <laughs> right.
2: And I feel like the reason why I dislike the word psychic is because. There are groups of people who this niche definition, this idea that they have an ability that other people don't have becomes very important to them. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that anyone, the other thing about it is I don't think anyone has a record for perfection. I think perfection across the board in life is just impossible. If you're a living creature, you're not going to achieve perfection. And that means at some point you're going to fudge that. So if I was someone who was like, I can tell you that your dad tells you that everything is okay. And I was trying to make those connections all the time. I feel like at some point I'm going to fudge that up. Yeah. Like something's going to go wrong. And that's not okay because that's someone's relationship to someone that they loved and lost and can't have conversations with anymore. And I just feel like there's a moral compass that is my personal moral compass. And these are my personal thoughts on it and I wouldn't necessarily hold other people to the standard that I set for myself. But again, like I said, I have some baggage for my father. Like, he, he gives off cult leader. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like he gives uh-huh. off like Machiavellian cult leader kind of vibes, that's his whole bag. And yeah. I just feel like, let me just stay very far away. <laughs> just yeah. very far away from anything that could ever have me trip up and land myself waking up one day being like, oh no, I have become my father. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I totally get that. I don't know, on a recent episode when we covered the uh, the disappearance of Mary Cassette, and we talked a lot about psychics, we I think Ryan and I both agreed that the number one sign that a psychic is full of shit is if they claim a hundred percent accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's and no, that's um... really across the board for anyone in any field. If yeah. they claim one hundred percent success rate, they're lying to you.
2: Oh yeah, when that's like that's like when they, they talk about how to identify a con. Yeah. When <laughs> it's like people are welcome. you can trust me. Hi, yeah. I'm very trustworthy. <laughs> if it's I a sure have bet, no a, flaws. Yeah. No problems. I'm always right. Okay. <laughs> Come to me because I'm always right.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, psychics and financial investor and financial planners, right? If they yes. claim hundred percent, they're that's full of such shit. Such a
2: good analogy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's interesting though. I mean, do you think that sort of, um, intentional avoidance of like egoic pursuits, do you think that has an, an impact on, on the way you engage with divination?
2: Probably. Like I can think of a lot of opportunities and a lot of relationships that would be really different and I would have had a lot more opportunities if I had veered to the left or the right a little bit like easily 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 Um, and I think it's one of those things where it's like I think that I'm I think I'm being like 60 to 80 percent reasonable and then I think the rest of it is like I am aware that I have issues (laughs) Sure, I'm aware that I'm hyper fixated on not going down this particular rabbit hole and becoming yeah. a problem. Um so, you know, I'm I'm using my my evil persuasive powers for good, <laughs> unlike my father. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's where I sit on it. But do I think, think definitely a- I could have had a lot of opportunities and a lot of different things if I'd wanted to.
1: Yeah. Do you do you think that lack of ego and I don't want to like characterize it as sort of like because the claim of having no ego can I was gonna say ego right? this can be a trap. Right. This can be a trap. But do you think that like <sighs> that I'll just continue to use the phrase avoidance of ego, right? Do you think yeah. that like specifically being aware of you know of avoiding embracing your ego? Do you think that has like made you a better receiver in those situations? Do you think it helps to to be less, you know, self centric?
2: I'm gonna tell you. I think honestly, I think I shot myself in the foot, and I'll tell you why. And I don't, I'm 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 fine with it, and I'm I'm happy to be worse at it <laughs> because I'll tell you <laughs> why. The fact that I am worse at it has stopped me from living a life that I don't want to live and being a person that I don't want to be. Um I don't think that I've talked to you about this before particularly, so I'm not sure if you're aware of it through friendship circles or things that I've said online and stuff, but like I've had my near-death experience, like I've, I've lived with chronic illness, and I've had my almost dying for long periods of time and lost a lot, like lost half of my face became paralyzed, my legs sure. became paralyzed, I couldn't walk anymore. Um there was a lot of things that I couldn't control. And I had, I'm grateful for the death clarity situation. Because if you live long enough through this process where you start trying to go through like the seven stages and you start trying to accept what's happening and all these different things, I think you, if you're lucky, you hit this point of clarity where you think a lot of life is just bullshit. Like a, yeah. a lot of the stuff that we really care about that really holds us back or, that we're aiming for is just BS. Um, So I have watched myself, once I get comfortable, like if if you ever watch the ghost lives with Carly and I, there comes a point where I start to get comfortable, I start talking more. And then later on, people have messaged me saying, this was really accurate, This was you did this and that. And it's because I feel confident with her because we're having fun, we're having a back and forth, I'm just having fun with my friend and the the feedback that i have gotten from that sometimes has like given me goosebumps so like i've wanted to write it down because it's been so wild and so cool um and so i think that me maybe it is egoic maybe i'm being egoic being like i could be such a problem (laughs) um maybe this is why my friends cast me as villains when we do like radio plays and stuff i'm the (laughs) ultimate villain maybe my ego is so high that I'm so proud of myself trying to think that I'm keeping my ego down, I don't know. Sure. Meditate about that later. But, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I I know I get in my own way.
1: Okay. But you think it's been advantageous to be in your own way?
2: When I hear other folks doing the whole Jonathan Edwards situation. Sure. You know, And then, of course, there's a debate about who's, who's simply a con artist and who's, like, really self-delusional and thinks that, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when I hear people doing that, when I hear people psychic showboating or instances, like, there was this time a YouTuber that I enjoy watching shared an experience she had where her uncle had passed away. Um, somewhere far away, and there were some pretty graphic details to how he had passed away. And this woman comes up to her in a crystal shop and just starts pouring out all these details. And she's talking about it later, and she's saying that was so inappropriate. She was like, obviously, this woman has a gift because there's no way for her to know this. That it was wildly inappropriate for her to walk up to someone who was grieving and bring everything up. And it's like people also aren't always trying to help. And that really upsets me. Like I'll watch ghost hunting shows and this is another one that gets to me. And I'm sorry if I piss anybody off, but I gotta say it, I gotta get it off my chest. <laughs> like I will watch ghost hunting shows where it's clearly they're there for the views. They go in and they say, we wanna help you. We really wanna help you. And then they're, everything they're doing is for clickbait. And if they, they purport to believe that there's an actual ghost, right? So they purport to believe that there's an actual spirit who went through something terrible and that they're helping, I'm making air quotes, you guys, that they're helping the spirit. And then they do everything that they can to get interesting conversations, and they just leave. No no help had, no help given. And it, it it's the combination of stuff like the psychic show voters and the things like in, in the investigation side of things. Like I know people who are so sweet who actually do try to help, and I love those people. Um, I know that not everybody believes that a ghost is a human spirit, and I get that too. And that becomes a different moral exercise and a different kind of philosophical conversation. But for the people who say that they believe it and say that they're helping. And I think like there's so many stories, unfortunately, of like the dad that snapped one day and killed his entire family. And like that would have been me. So it hits me different when they talk about there's the ghost of a wife, and unfortunately she was killed by her husband and the ghost of her children. I'm like, that that, that could have been me, literally. people are walking through those houses talking about how sad it is that the kids are there and then in the next scene they're being like they're they're adding it up for entertainment
1: yeah there's i mean there's a lot to be said for you know how immoral a lot of those a lot of those um shows are and it's it's a problem right i I think it's, I think it's a much larger problem in our community than anyone wants to really acknowledge.
2: You know what I um, would really like to see? I'm so sorry didn't realize you were still talking. No, go ahead. What I would really like to see is the people who've profited from this, especially those stories, the people who've actually profited, I would love to see them do something for domestic violence stuff. I would love to see them donate some of that to a woman's shelter. I would love to see them raise awareness in any way, shape or form, like on TV, if you cover a topic like suicide at the end of the episode, they were like, here's the helpline. Here's where you can donate. If you don't feel very well, here's what you can do. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of sweeping up profit and not a lot of feeling of responsibility.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's a huge problem. And I think, I don't know. I get like general ick vibes from a lot of paratourism mm-hmm. in general, the whole, you know, when you see like, Pictures of like weekend warrior ghost hunter crews standing outside the Valliska axe murder house with like an axe in their hands making spooky yeah. faces and it's like the
2: people died, y'all. Like yeah, people just really died.
1: Yeah. No reverence for literally like a a group of children were slaughtered in this house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is not a joke. Yeah that that shit drives me insane Same. that's the fastest way to get unfollowed by me honestly yeah like i don't i don't know maybe it's maybe it's the history background maybe it's uh true crime influence i think a lot I of these think, people yeah. don't have any experience in those realms at all and they're there's a whole there's a whole movement in the like true crime podcasting community to be more victim centric Mm -hmm. to be you know to make your make what you're producing less um less of an exposure for the criminal and more Mm -hmm. about you know the lives of the victims and and what they went through And not to say there aren't problems in the true crime community too, because obviously there are. uh, Right.
2: but You're right. There is a rising sense of responsibility. I feel like there's a rising sense of of, that we should examine if what we're doing is moral and if we're profiting off of something that we maybe shouldn't be and how we can redress some of these things. I agree. I think there is a little bit more of like a a self-awareness. Yeah. And I think that that happened because of criticism, because of similar criticism, because of people finding and being like, this is my cousin or this was like a friend of the family.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, in the like 14 community, it really is like the, the paranormal, the ghost, the ghost hunter type set, like set that, that are really having to deal with this obviously the people who are out looking for bigfoot you're not really you know it's a
2: different situation
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's different if there are some moral quandaries when it gets into the world of like ufology when it comes to people who have had you know abduction experiences and things like that um and similar questions when it comes to dealing with experiencers in the cryptozoology community, people who had some pretty horrifying, horrifying, and <clears throat> and uh, traumatic experiences,
0: yeah,
1: in in that realm too. But the in particular, the people who are going in and talking about historic, you know, because ghost on hun- the ghost hunter lane is it will always be tied to true crime, yeah because you're always going back to some at least in the way it's done now right when people go into a haunted house they want to hear the backstory right you have to come up with some backstory and in a lot of cases those are real people not all because a lot of those shows are just making shit up let me tell you but um, like that house in the town I grew up in Yes, (laughs) I guarantee that shit is made up (laughs)
2: <laughs> Got some people putting in some secret speaker systems, uh-huh. messing with stuff, having an air conditioner unit quietly, silently running. the like, oh, it's colder here, you guys. Yeah. There must be a spirit.
1: <laughs> oh man, so much of that stuff is so hokey.
2: Yeah,
1: it's. <clears throat> I I don't know, it's a lot, a lot of big questions, Joy. Yeah. That's a lot. There's that's...
2: a lot of big questions. It's it's food for thought, I think. I just think yeah. I don't think they're there. I think it's it's a it's an interesting philosophical point because like if you approach it from let's say you're a paranormal investigator, okay? And you believe in the idea that there are no ghosts. There's only echoes of past events and that's what you're setting out to record. In that instance, what you are doing from your moral compass is ACE, because it's removing it from that concept of like, I'm here to help the ghosts. I'm here to talk to the spirits and make them feel better. I'm here to be their emotional support. That's a very different situation. So I think it's interesting because the moral quandary of it all shifts depending on the individual investigators own personal viewpoints about what they think they're doing and what they believe to be the truth and, like, the reality of the situation. I think the ones that are the worst are the ones who actually believe that there are ghosts and are surface-level helping. It's, like, what it reminds me of is, like, all the scandal about um, Tyra Banks and, like, Top Model and how uh, she had gone out to do something with, like, making them dress up as homeless people or something. yeah. I, I remember seeing clips of it, and I remember being like, yo, this is bad. This has no sensitivity whatsoever. What is going on? Yeah. Um, and just, I just don't understand how anyone thought this was a good idea. Like, I don't understand how this went to air. And I think that with some of these paranormal investigation situations where people are purporting to believe that they are, in fact, helping the dead... I don't understand how this is a. I don't understand how you thought this was a good idea. I don't understand how that made it to air. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's a great point. A lot of those, I, uh, you, I mean, you can't help but cringe. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. especially when you see something like that on a network show. It's like this had to accumulate so many yeses. Oh yeah. To make it to air, you know what I, I mean? Had to go
2: through so many tables. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's mind blowing. I don't I don't understand it all. But I think I think the the paranormal community will get there in the same way that the true crime community is starting to get there. I think because the true crime space is so much bigger than the paranormal space. I think it's just going to take it's going to take some time. But I I think we'll get there. Yeah, hopefully. I hope we'll get there. I don't um, wanna
2: believe in the good in people. I think that yeah. people just don't know. I think people are not thinking about it. I think there may be some sketchy characters who who look at what they're doing and know it's not right, but don't care. Um, but I like to think that in the majority, most people in especially the paranormal community are really good hearted people. And it's just like how many people like I I know that my experience is actually a lot more common than people think that it is. But like I don't know how many people are gonna have had a conversation like this. Right? and like until yes. someone brings that point up like that exact point i'm not going to necessarily think about it it's not something that's ever necessarily occurred to you or to the majority so like i don't think that it's that we're we're this group of bad people otherwise i wouldn't be so tied into this community like i know people who have put their heart and soul into being helpful and kind and doing the right thing And who genuinely want to tell particular stories that they feel like have gone underreported. So, yeah, I think I I like to believe in the good in this community.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a perfect note to end on. We're um, coming up on an hour. Okie dokie. This has been fantastic. Thank Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Before we go, tell the people where to find you, where to follow you. And anything cool you have coming up that you'd like them to check out.
2: Okay, so this is going to be so easy because I really only pay attention to my Instagram. I am terrible, you guys, at social media. It is actually one of my favorite things about myself. I kind of like that I'm <laughs> awful at it. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at at the Wild her Historian. So her Historian spelled like her story. Um, And the exciting project that I have coming up is very tied to Jordan because we're both in a spooky story anthology. We're both in Dark Village. Um, The pre-link order is up on Amazon now. I know it's up in the link in my bio. So if you all want to check it out, Jordan was telling me the other day about like what his story is about. And I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give away anything that's wrong. But like, like spoilers that I shouldn't spoiler, I'm going to say. But I was so excited. I was literally on the edge of my sheet, my seat gripping my desk, being like, I am so amped to have a physical copy to read, to read this story. Because it is my favorite set of things and spooky stories all in one place.
1: Yeah, yours, yours sounds amazing, too. I can't, I can't wait to read it. I appreciate I'm, I'm really that. looking Thank forward you. to it. <sighs> Thank you. Thank this you. This has been a really great talk.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed myself. You always ask questions that I'm not expecting, but in a really good way. And so thank you for that.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. Rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.